this episode of Bonsai Wire, Carmen, that's me, talks with Sam Holm, author of the article, Gender Disparity in American Bonsai, which appeared this past summer in volume 55 of Bonsai, the Journal of the American Bonsai Society. Sam, hello. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Like, where do you live? What's your background? How did you get into bonsai? Yeah, um, so I grew up in Boulder, Colorado, I'm currently living in Denver, and I went to Colorado College. My background is in ecology. My my passion was in uh, conservation biology and kind of trying to help threatened and endangered species. So that's how I started off and had a couple jobs before going back for my master's, and then I worked for the um, Colorado Parks and Wildlife until I had my first daughter and I wasn't really getting paid enough to sort of you know to have all my money go towards childcare. so um, I've been home uh, since then so now I have two daughters and they have the absolute cutest names too (laughs) it's Ren and what's the other one what was it? Lark. Lark. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I studied birds, so I need them after birds. Birds are like it. I'm always watching the birds in the backyard. And so that's great. I get you. So I take care of them. So I got into bonsai because, well, I guess my first one I had was like a week before I had um, Ren. So I'm trying to take care of a newborn baby and <laughs> neglecting this little juniper outside. I think it got a little too hot. So that one died. I kind of got into it after that because I needed something like a creative outlet so that I wouldn't go crazy because I was staying home with her. And I had gone from, you know, a career where I felt, you know, I was passionate about it and I enjoyed it. And Um, I was missing that like mental stimulation and feeling like I was contributing and so to not go crazy, I needed something. And there, you know, there's part of a sort of a meditative quality um, to working on trees. So I missed that. And I missed, you know, the satisfaction of creating art. No, that's great. I mean, I was, when I had my son, I was planning on being a stay at home mom. Like I didn't have an intention to go back. And then it was kind of the same thing. Like, I didn't know exactly if I wanted to go back or not, but I was able to go and just cover like weekends for people, just watering and stuff. And I was like, okay, this is like manageable. So I kind of edged back in at like part-time and then eventually I was full-time again. And then here we are. So yeah, it's like, you kind of need something sometimes outside of the home to just like, or a really involved hobby like bonsai. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And the meditative aspect of it is I've noticed it too. You can really just kind of get lost in it Mm -hmm. during your, during nap times. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. I have two hours. (laughs) I'm impressed that you can stay awake. I like for a while I was just sleeping at nap time and it made me very unproductive, but (laughs) I was cheerful for the rest of the day. (laughs) Yeah. Well, when they're young and you don't sleep at all at night, then yeah. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Um, So you wrote a really interesting article for the American Bonsai Society publication that came out this summer. 
And prior to that, you wrote a three-part series on women in bonsai for your local club, mm-hmm. um, the your Rocky Mountain Bonsai Society. Yeah, right. in Denver. Um, so what inspired you, first of all, to write those articles for Rocky Mountain Bonsai Society? Uh, well, I was approached um, by our, let's see, he was past president, um, Andy Berry. Um, he wanted someone, he's kind of one of the people in charge with sort of the media and, and blog posts and stuff on our website. So he was trying to find one of the a women, a, a female member um, in the club that would write something about women in bonsai. And so he approached me and thinking about it, kind of what I wanted to write. And it turned out I wanted it to be more of like the lack of women in bonsai because in my club, the membership is only 15% female. And I was kind of curious to see how that looked, you know, across the country, if, if it was really that low everywhere else. So that's kind of where it started. And then as I was writing and researching, just, I was, <laughs> it just kind of expanded to be kind of a bigger and bigger thing. So what was supposed to just be one article became three. Um, and I kind of broke it into um, the first one was sort of where we are as a club with, you know, the membership and um, how many visiting artists we have that were female and just like prize winners and all these different aspects of um, how involved our, our women are. And then the second article was more, I gave myself more work and I was like, well, I'm going to do a whole survey and survey all the women in the club and find out sort of the challenges that women have um, and the roadblocks that they have for doing a very involved hobby. And then the third article was based on sort of what I thought we could do, kind of ideas for what the club can do to to make it a better environment for, for women to kind of be more supportive and helpful. So while I was writing that first one, because I wanted to get an idea of the rest of the country, I started reaching out to all these other bonsai clubs, as many as I could. I think I, I think it was like 55 that I was able to get data back from, but yeah, that's a lot got. more. <laughs> I know <laughs> so many and God, everyone was so like friendly and nice and supportive um, so that was, that was lovely. And let's see. Um, so actually I got in touch with two board members, one ABS and a BCI board member that just sort of uh, reached out to me to say, you know, this is like really cool topic and, you know, you should think about uh, submitting an article to one of those magazines. I had no intention of doing that at the beginning, but I was like, yeah, you know, I think this is a really important topic and the more I write about it, the more I feel like it would be a big deal to get involved in. Yeah. I feel like it's a, it's becoming a big deal. Like I, I feel like that just in the last year or so, I've noticed a lot more women coming forward and being like, yeah, um, women in bonsai, let's talk about it. And I think that your articles were probably the first, like, I don't know, maybe put down on paper 
um, discussion of it. And I loved the statistics because I feel like the numbers don't lie. They're just, they're there. And I found a number of them pretty shocking, actually, as I was reading through it. But I remember you had reached out to me uh, March of last year um, about some information on um, the University of Michigan Botanic Garden and Arboretum. I suppose I should give the full name. University of Michigan, Mathi Botanical Garden, and Nichols Arboretum. It's a bit of a mouthful. Uh, but uh, so anybody who's listening who doesn't know, I uh, before I came here to Apprentice, I worked for the University of Michigan managing the bonsai collection there. And uh, I'm still involved with that collection, even though I'm I'm all the way out here in Portland. But Sam reached out to me for some statistics on how many female artists were represented in the collection, who else curated collections that were women. It was actually really interesting because I hadn't looked at our collection through the lens of how many women are represented. Women in Bonsai has been on my mind for a couple of years. And I guess I never really looked at what we have. And I think it turned out that we had one woman represented and then there were a well, maybe two-ish, um, because the woman who cared for the collection before me, which is also unique because in the time we've had a collection, there have only been women managing it, but she helped create some of the trees. So between her and the other woman represented, there's two, 3.7% of the collection. And I was like, oh, yikes. And I think, uh, I mean, there's, I think a number of reasons for that within U of M, as well as like other collections, Bonsai has been male dominated for most of its history in the United States. And as trees are passed on, you know, it's a lot of the, those men who first were in Bonsai donating their trees. So there may just have been a smaller pool, Mm -hmm. but now that things are, have shifted somewhat, it'll be interesting to see how that changes moving forward. And uh, when I talked to to Aaron Packard, he's the curator at the Pacific Bonsai Museum. One of the things he said was, you know, they they would love to have more bonsais that were created by women, but there's a, uh, you know, there's only so much money that they have, and so, you know, if there's female professional artists that they, you know, if they want one of their trees, they, you know, he would want to pay for it. Um, because, you know, as artists, you want to, it's their livelihood. So they can't just donate all their good trees to all of the museums. Right. Um, so yeah, I guess one of the things that to, to improve those numbers would be if women, you know, hobbyists have bonsais that they can donate to museums that might help. I hope you get a tree in sometime somewhere. Like, this is a pioneer thing. You should have a tree somewhere. <laughs> I know uh, Larry Jackal, who's the the curator at the Denver Botanic Garden. I know he. We have zero trees created by women mm-hmm. at our um, our collection, so I know he he wants more by women, but I don't really have anything ready yet. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a really interesting comment that I don't have anything ready yet, which Seth Godin, and actually Michael turned me on to this lecture, Leap First by Seth Godin. And he talks about like shipping product. Like if you're an artist, 
and you have something to give how a lot of people will be like, well, it's not ready. It's not ready. Like they wait for this level of perfection. And I'm not saying that like you need to give something out right now, but I think it's really fascinating how a lot of artists tend to hold back their stuff because they don't perceive it as good enough or Mm -hmm. like ready to share with the world. And even more so than that, I find that attitude not attitude that happening with women, just because of how we're socialized to like always look a certain way or be a certain way or be ready for whatever. If you put something out, that's not finished. It's like, well, hmm, I feel like we get more judgment on that than maybe a man would, but it's, it's really interesting. And like I said, that's not necessarily your situation. I just, um, that comment made me think of that and everybody should listen to Seth Godin and follow his blog because it literally changed my life. Yeah, that is something I've noticed because I've been trying to encourage more women in my club to show their trees, you know, for our our annual show. And I think that is one of the the things that hold people back. Mm-hmm. They're like, I, mean, I found myself doing that too. Ready to be shown, but I think shows are a little bit different. It's like I encourage beginners to show because I mean that's how you learn. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I learned so much it's like okay w- about design and mm-hmm. how to get a tree prepped and everything um yeah. but yeah I've only been doing bonsai for like four and a half years so yeah. <laughs> well there's that pride and confidence that comes with it too even if like you know your tree is one amongst many there's like wow I did this thing I put this tree here but going back to the, oh, um, yeah. the bonsai collections in museums and botanic gardens that uh, statistic that I found was it was only uh, 12% of the collections um, was made up of trees created by women. So that was sort of the kind of the biggest shocking statistic that I think would be good as a, as a community for us to work on. Part of the, the reason for writing the article was to make it, you know, to bring it more in the forefront of people's minds. So they start thinking about Mm-hmm. You know, you had it, you didn't know how many trees were by women in your collection. And so to have these curators go through that and actually go through and count them for me, I think that's going to help in the future with just, you know, having them think about it. You know, if they want to, if they need to get more bonsais for their collection, like, hey, consider getting one by a woman. Or if yeah. they're, you know, going to auction them off or sell them off, like maybe keep those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think, I mean, even though it's been one of my kind of um, topics of interest, yeah, I hadn't even looked at our collection. And I think there's that awareness that just if you're aware of it, it's like, oh, gosh, it really makes it makes you think about mm-hmm. it. Well, let's talk about bonsai clubs a little bit. So mm-hmm. you got information from 55 clubs out of barriers within the the club culture yeah that can make women uncomfortable do you want to talk a little bit about that yeah sure um so there's some and it I mean it depends on the club but for sure (laughs) but in some clubs there's sort of like a good old boy kind of culture where you know might they might be welcoming of women but there's sort of this I don't know, this atmosphere where they, they're more accepting of like the young um, men that join the club and they're more likely to provide, you know, mentorship for those, those men and, you know, get them on the board, get them more involved, you know, invite them to activities outside the club. 
So I feel like a lot of women, you know, don't feel as welcomed and they miss out on a lot of the opportunities, like people gifting free trees or taking, you know, people out to teach them how to collect, you know, in the wild. And that's not every club, but I think that'd be a lot. (laughs) Yeah, no, of course. No, I think you're, you're right on. I can't tell you how many times I have been one of the only women in the room and usually the youngest woman in the room. And I guess at this point in my lifetime, I probably no longer will be the youngest woman in the room, which (laughs) (laughs) is a good thing, I suppose. But yeah, like in our bonsai club, it was one of those things I, I went because I wanted to, I wanted to learn. And it was also part of my job to network between the gardens and the club because all of our volunteers were from the bonsai club. And there wasn't, you know how you always kind of have a buddy when you're in a club that you like hang out with or like you become friends. Like there just wasn't a person my age really that I could kind of like buddy up with. I mean, all my volunteers were there and they're wonderful people and I love them. And like, you know, you can talk with anybody, but it's just that like, where's, where's the representation? Like where yeah. is somebody that like looks like me or. Yeah. I think that's one of the the roadblocks too. Mm -hmm. is going to a place that's very male dominated and feeling like you're the only one (laughs) you know who's not like everyone else and feeling comfortable enough to like brave enough to put yourself in that situation and Mm -hmm. feel like an other you know right well and especially if you are like me and had like severe social anxiety when you (laughs) you know your first time you go to a club um yes I I'm an introvert so yeah it's, it's always tricky for me too For a number of years, I had interns for the summer and all but one, I think, have been young women. And most of the students that were interested in helping out when we needed more people to pull azalea flowers or whatever, it was a lot of the the female interns and those who wanted me to teach them bonsai or like, hey, come to the club with me, the club show and like help me pick out one. It was mostly the young women. And I thought that was fascinating, particularly because it just didn't translate into the club. I would love to figure out why, or, I mean, a lot of it was timing, like they don't have transportation or, you know, they had something else going on at that time during the school year. It's like, well, they're doing school. There's lots of reasons, but I'd love to figure out a way to bring more students out and get them interested because they're interested for sure. Yeah, that's, that is awesome. And I think that's one of the main takeaways that I think we need to be aware of when we think about, you know, what are the roadblocks for women? Like, why aren't more women involved? Mm-hmm. The answer is like, well, every single woman is different. And so the mm-hmm. roadblocks for each person is going to be different. You know, for some, it might be financial, like women are making less money than men. There are some, it's, you know, just time constraints. You know, women are doing more housework, taking care of children. Like that's a big one for me, Mm -hmm. Um, taking care of two kids. And there's other ones, like there's a study that showed that for siblings, daughters are more likely to care for their aging parents, which is becoming like a, a bigger thing for sort of our older bonsai practitioners. I've been emailing with uh, Cheryl Manning, who's like a legend. Um, She's awesome. She uh, studied with John Natka. She went to Japan to study as well. Oh, I didn't know that. 
yeah. And she had to take some time off. She's a professional and she goes and, and travels to different clubs and presents, but she had to take time off because uh, her mom was in hospice. And so she mm-hmm. was taking care of her. And that, that might be, you know, something that more women do than. Yeah. Women. So. The section on professional artists in the last two decades, there have been about two two women out of eight demonstrators at most ABS conventions. So 25% of the demonstrators for American Bonsai Society conventions in the last 20 years mm-hmm. have been women, which feels like not enough. Right. I don't know if it's for lack of trying. I mean, that's true. Yeah. Less female professionals than there are men. But yeah. I'm hoping that we'll get that number up I mean in Florida they just had that convention where they had all women presenters which is you know awesome that's amazing yeah Jennifer Price mentioned that in her her webinar last week that was really exciting to hear I love that Mm -hmm. female headliners yes bonsai curators Mm -hmm. at uh, botanic gardens that have bonsai collections uh, that was only 18 percent women I was and actually surprised that I'm there surprised were that. that many because I like when people would ask me what other women are working on bonsai collections. Like I, I know of Kathy Shaner and mm-hmm. I think that was all I knew actually, as far as curation. Yeah. I was surprised to hear that there were actually six women managing and overseeing bonsai collections. Like mm-hmm. that was awesome to me. Yeah. It seems like a lot of them might be people that are horticulturists who were kind of you know, we, we have some bonsai trees and we need someone to take care of them here. Learn about bonsai and like, take care of this collection. Yeah. Um, th- that's how I started. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Kathy Shaner is sort of the exception. Like you have this mm-hmm. master bonsai artist. Um, so you're going to put her in charge of this collection. It seems like that a lot of the other botanic gardens have found, you know, men that have their own, you know, have been in bonsai for a while. And so mm-hmm. they, they get these experts for their collections. Yeah. And I think that's definitely a factor of that. There just aren't a lot of women who've apprenticed in general in Japan, for sure. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. in the States, there really aren't that many apprenticeship opportunities. You either learn it yourself, you find somebody to teach you, but still it's like never a formal apprenticeship really outside of Michael Hagedorn. I know Bjorn's starting an apprenticeship, but like as far as like other official apprenticeship opportunities, I'm I'm not sure. I'd love to see more women curators. And I think now that women are getting more involved in bonsai, I hope that within the next, you know, 10, 20 years that we see some of those women reaching that that level. Because curatorship is really interesting and there's not mm-hmm. a ton of bonsai professionals that want to be curators because it's a very different thing than creating and presenting and perform you know and yeah um, making and selling the the horticulture yeah there's a lot of horticulture there's a really interesting cultural aspect which is one of the reasons I really like doing it okay so there's one barricade we haven't really talked about and I'm going to be that person and talk about it sexism there's definitely sexism within bonsai and like up front I want to say that of course, not every man is sexist or purposefully says things that are sexist or intends to be sexist, but like sexism is a thing. It's a systemic issue in 
whatever field you're in okay. professionally cool. or just life. Um, yeah. And it in does, all of our society, <laughs> the entire society, you know, <laughs> sexism is, is an issue. And so like, yeah, that's definitely a barrier that we do need to talk about. And you bring it up in this article as well. And I think it's really important. Well, one, I think one of the questions I, I brought up was basically it's, you know, women can't solve sexism on their own. It's not like, (laughs) it's not really like the job of the person who's being discriminated against to like, okay, I'll just fix this. Right. (laughs) Um, So there are, you know, what things can men do to, to be allies to women and, and to help, you know, make this easier for everybody. Mm-hmm. I, I guess the ones that the examples that I can think of are just ones from the last few months. It's like every time Jennifer Price posts something on Facebook oh my about, yeah. <laughs> about women in bonsai, the like the comments that come up it's like the I don't know what it is about Facebook comments but it's like oh my gosh yep it breaks this like dark like racist or sexist or you know something out of people that they there's that doesn't even it's not usually there but they always make these ridiculous comments yeah Um, my favorite one that I see a lot on those kinds of posts are well, I haven't noticed anything. It's like, well, of course you haven't noticed anything. You're a man. Like the sexism isn't happening to you. Like, why would you notice anything? A lot of times it's so subtle that, you know, even some women don't notice it. You know what I mean? Like they're just used to hearing those comments or, oh, it was just a joke. Like, no, it's not. And then it's exhausting because if I see it, I always jump on and I'm like, hold on. (laughs) But then like, you know how Facebook is like, it becomes controversial and an argument and nobody wants to listen to each other. And you're not going to really change anyone's mind on Facebook. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. It becomes almost like a wasted effort. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons I, I still do it, and this is for a number of controversial things. Sometimes I'll do it just so that even though I know I'm not going to change somebody's mind so that if another woman sees it, they're like, oh, okay. I feel validated. Like somebody mm-hmm. is standing up for this or whatever. Cause I know I've seen in that and I'm like, yeah, sweet. Okay. Not alone. Well, I feel like, I mean, another reason for bringing it up is to hopefully have other men see that mm-hmm. and make it, you know, more okay for them to be the one to comment on it in the mm-hmm. future. Yeah. That's a big thing. Like when I found, <laughs> What was the, there was a guy who made a comment about women don't, like more women don't do bonsai because they're like worried they're going to mess up their hair and their nails. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I screenshotted that one. And, and we said, wow, that's a sexist comment. Like you shouldn't say that you're generalizing all women to be like this type of way. Right. And yes, there are some women who get their nails done and do their hair nice and maybe those certain type of women don't do bonsai but mm-hmm. I, or even I, if they do like there's gloves yeah. and like I don't usually use my hair for doing bonsai so if it's done you know like I could do bonsai and heels why not yeah it's <laughs> that one really got me it was really funny yeah it's comments like that in particular but yeah. what I, so what I've found when we respond to comments like that is 
the guy will say, you know, you're overreacting. Like <sighs> I was just making a joke, like you're making a big deal out of it. That happens every single time. Yep. <laughs> so it, it becomes like, why well, say anything? So what I found is that if men who see those types of comments are the ones to respond to them and they say like, Hey, that's, that's not cool. Like women are doing bonsai. Like that's awesome. Like we should be welcoming them and supporting them. If they hear like, that's not cool from a guy, then it makes a much bigger impact on them. Yeah. I've, I've seen that happen too. And I think it's really nice when other men step in because it's exhausting constantly responding to that stuff. It can just really wear on you. I've uh, talked with a couple guys who have said that the reason they don't step in is because they know the woman is like a strong, independent woman who can stand up for herself. And I had to be like, okay, that's very true. But at the same time, it would be really helpful if you could say something just, you know, to support me because it is exhausting and I didn't come here to deal with that. So can we like move past it? Can you show some support? So I think if men step in when they see that or hear that, that would be super duper helpful. Yeah. Um, And then the the example that you said about, you know, I don't see, you know, sexism in my club. Yeah. I've heard that a lot too. And I think one thing that's helpful if men sort of recognize their privilege, like as a man, things are a little bit easier for you and try to kind of understand like what women are going through and like learn their stories, you know, like what they go through on a daily basis with Mm -hmm. sexism, like in the workplace or just socially instead of assuming that like you're the same as a lady. And so if you don't see sexism, you know, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Even the the men who do step in, in those kind of situations, like if you, if somebody tells you that something you said hurts their feelings or is sexist, then it's hard. It's a practice that I've had to learn in other realms, like talking about racism trying to decenter yourself and be like, okay, like I'm not a bad person. I said something that was hurtful. How can I listen and learn something from this instead of taking it personally and getting super defensive? And it's, it's really hard to do. Like it takes a lot of practice to get to the point where you can be like, they're not calling me sexist. They're saying that thing I said was sexist. And so separating yourself from your words can, can be helpful in those situations. Right. Like if when someone says like, wow, that thing you said was sexist, they're not trying to label you. They're trying to educate you (laughs) so you don't make that mistake in the future. Yeah. Like the fact that they care enough about the relationship to even say, hey, can we change this? Like that shows that they care and they want to you know, keep that relationship and build that relationship with you. It's not that they're exactly like you said, they're not labeling you. They're not, I mean, unless the person's a total jerk, then that's a whole other story. But <laughs> generally speaking, you know, like they're trying to preserve the relationship and and keep things going smoothly. When your article came out, I was kind of waiting to see if there would be a lot of blowback and I haven't, I haven't really noticed any. So I'm happy about that. It seems as though people have really kind of accepted it and like, I love that it went over smoothly because I was a little bit concerned. Yeah, I was nervous. It took a little bit of <laughs> bravery to be like, okay, I'm putting this out there into the world and people might be really mad at me for it. 
but so far people have been supportive mm-hmm. and I mean, at least to my face. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so switching topics just a little bit here, I'm looking back at the email you sent me. Oh gosh, it's been about a year ago, about 11 months ago. And uh, it also says, I enjoyed listening to your Bonsai Wire podcast yesterday. I'm trying to find ways I can encourage women to get more involved in Bonsai and prevent, or prevent, promote female Bonsai professionals. Perhaps the Purple Pot Society could be a national women's Bonsai group that advocates for a greater female presence in the art of Bonsai. And I was like, yes. So (laughs) we're doing it. Like, hi, Sam. Yes, let's let's do this. Um, so referencing back to that podcast, I was talking a lot about every, first of all, everybody should listen to it. Second of all, uh, I was talking about purple pots because purple is my favorite color. If you've met me, you've seen the amount of purple in my life. Purple pots are really pretty and you don't see a lot of them in, in the U S that's actually changing. I feel like now that I've like been more aware of it. I'm seeing a lot more uh, coming in from, well, I've seen a few coming in from Japan, but a lot of the North American artists or North American potters are starting to expand their glazes, which I love because purple. So originally purple pot came up because I was at the national exhibition and I was like, yeah, someday I'll put a bonsai with a purple pot in the show. And somebody was like, no, purple pots don't belong in bonsai. And I was like, oh yeah. And so I've kind of become obsessed with it since. And then in that podcast, Jonas was like, oh, you could have a purple pot society. And so really this is all his fault. Um, <laughs> thanks Jonas. Just, uh, just the name of it. Yeah. So <laughs> um, purple pots will be involved. So anyway, um, let's talk about that. Let's talk about purple pot society. Mm-hmm. So we talked a little bit about kind of what the name came from on your end for me it's also not just like okay purple pots are you know a little bit more girly um but what I found you know when I was first starting out in bonsai and I was going to you know like prepare for putting a tree into the like my first show was like really worried about like okay I'm going to learn all the rules about like what type of tree goes in what pod and like what colors you're supposed to use and like really focused on that like the more I read about it it's like all right well what if I don't want this like unglazed pot like this is a little Mm -hmm. boring or like it seems like glazes like you're supposed to do white or blue like can we do different things so for me it's like also sort of bucking some of the tradition and Mm -hmm. kind of allowing women to be more creative and sort of develop our own kind of style and just be free to be artistic and mm-hmm. do your own thing. But yeah, Purple Pot Society, we, we wanted to create a, a national women's bonsai group. I feel like there's been, you know, a bunch of great female professional artists in our country. And we have all of these women that are sort of kind of carrying their own torch everyone's sort of like you know doing the work to create you know to make it more acceptable to be a woman a woman doing bonsai in the country but I feel like there's a a need for like a unifying force to bring all these women together Mm -hmm. Um, because all these like individual efforts um, they do you know they do matter a lot but 
we can make a bigger impact if all of the women, you know, in the country are working together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Jennifer Price's uh, talk she did, the North Carolina Arboretum talk, she said, you know, a big thing we can do as women is to support each other and like raise each other up. Mm-hmm. And that is a huge thing. And I think that's sort of one of our main goals mm-hmm. for this, this national group. Yeah, I know um, being in a profession where there aren't very many women, oftentimes it can feel like a competition instead of like, we're all working towards the same goal. We can work Mm -hmm. together. We can lift each other up. Oftentimes it's like, well, I have to be better than this person or like bashing the other woman because, you know, you want to be the woman to do this thing. And um, I love that she talked about that because I think a lot of times it gets lost amongst women, just because we are in that position of not, you know, being super prevalent or, and that's not just in bonsai, that's in the corporate world too, you know, like any male dominated industry, it's like, it can, it can just feel like a comp- a competition to get yourself to the top. So I love, I love that. And I think that I'm hoping that this brings a bunch of women together. Cause even in her talk, there were a lot of women that she mentioned that I was like, I don't know who that is. And I've been doing bonsai for 10 years and like working with a collection. I, and I still am like, I have no, no idea. So I loved hearing about that. And I'd love to be able to bring more women together and get those women who are professionals, you know, more gigs, let people know who they are, what they're, what they'll do, what their services are and, and use them, you know, have them come present or buy pops from them or whatever. Yeah. And a lot of them are like fantastic artists with like, oh my gosh, really cool backstories and like won these awesome awards and everything. And a lot of people don't know them at all. Yeah. And I think creating this society really kind of spoke to me because one of my other, like one of my other interests in bonsai is to make some hyper feminine trees and displays. And I think talking about gender in bonsai is just really fascinating because in a lot of the, you know, when you're learning bonsai, you learn about balancing masculine and feminine within your tree, within your display. You don't put like a super curvy feminine pot with a, you know, super upright black pine. And so maybe we push the boundary a little bit and like, just go all feminine or, I mean, you could do the same thing with a more masculine display, you know, but like, why don't we have a flowering tree in a purple pot with, I don't know, some, another piece of your display that's, um, would be like, oh, that's really girly. And I think some of the, it's an interesting conversation because there's traditional bonsai, which has a purpose, like to this balance and to the way things are displayed. And so it's not meant to be disrespectful or I don't want it to be seen as like, I don't understand bonsai. I want it to be seen as pushing a boundary. Everybody always talks about like American bonsai. What is American bonsai? How are we pushing boundaries? And like, maybe this is one of those things. Like we know what traditional bonsai is. Now let's stretch it as an artist, like push it past the craft of bonsai, uh, push it past tradition and create something really different. I just, I love that idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I there's a bunch of the, so if you look at like the sort of unwritten rules of like mm-hmm. traditional bonsai, the ones that stem from sort of the like design aspect, like, okay, like 
you're doing this because you want negative space here or because uh, you want to think about like the line of the tree and like the shape of the pot like those all make you know sense and mm-hmm. there are rules for a reason but mm-hmm. some other things are sort of arbitrary and they can be <laughs> you know changed or just you learn the rules so that you can break them when right. you need to yeah that's my favorite you have to know the rules before you can break them appropriately uh, that, and- is, that is definitely one of the the goals of the women's you know societies mm-hmm. to allow women to feel like they have you know like a safe place to mm-hmm. be creative and to push those boundaries yeah um, I feel like when you're in you know like if you're showing your tree and it's a male dominated show um you feel like maybe you need to fit in and kind mm-hmm. of like be a little bit more traditional if that's what like the older guys in the club are doing yeah to to feel like okay like I can be creative mm-hmm. and kind of do me and do my own thing yeah I had <laughs> this is such a sad story I had a there's a woman in my the Denver chapter of the Purple Pot Society who we tried to been we were trying to encourage her to start showing her own trees at the at the shows she said that in her first show she decided she wanted to put um this little like pink flamingo with her tree because she says mm-hmm. this is awesome and I like it and I'm doing it because it's what I like mm-hmm. and she got some flack from mm-hmm. some of the, the guys in the club and yeah. it's like what <laughs> like <laughs> I mean, think of it like a cool, like tree from Florida with some flamingos, like that could work. Yeah, it could. So, I mean, I don't, I, and so she hasn't showed a tree since. And it's like, that's, that's yeah. the kind of thing that I want to avoid. I want to feel like women mm-hmm. can, they don't feel like they need to fit in and they can be creative. Right, exactly. And I want to bring these kinds of displays to a really high level to a really high quality level so that when they're in a show, it doesn't get, it doesn't get criticized. Like it mm-hmm. can be recognized as something different and appreciated for what it is rather than being like, Oh, that's super girly. Like whatever they're like dismissed because it's different or it's breaking rules or whatever. Some of the most interesting things I've seen in shows break rules, whether they've done it successfully or not like what I really want to do is is make that breaking of rules very successful mm-hmm. um yeah safe. it's an evolving art form like yeah exactly <laughs> why can't if if we consider bonsai art why can't we do it a little bit differently one of the other things that I think is important to mention is that we've been talking about gender this whole time in the binary of male female there's so much more than that, especially right now, there's such a big discussion about, about gender and transgender people and non-binary folks and age and, you know, like there's so many other genders out there. And that's something I haven't seen in the bonsai community. Like I, and maybe, you know, maybe they're just not advertising it, which is perfectly fine. Like there's so much tension around it that why would somebody be like, Hey, I'm, I'm trans in the bonsai community. Like I'm the only person, but like, you you just don't really see that. And, um, 
I'd love for this society to, to kind of maybe be a model for future societies that can really support um, trans and non-binary people, or even like getting into race, like mm-hmm. how is racism a, a part of bonsai? And um, like, this can be a model for, you know, how we lift up women and then how can that be applied elsewhere within the social realm? But even back to gender and bonsai, balancing masculine and feminine. So when you look at a display, do you want it to be more masculine or more feminine? Or do you want to try to find a a perfect balance where you're in the middle and it's like, there is no gender in your display. It's just a fascinating Mm -hmm. thing. Like how we explain within bonsai bonsai characteristics, display characteristics in that binary. And I made a mention in one of my articles for Rocky Mountain Bonsai about the terminology that we use like feminine or masculine when we're talking about trees or like different aspects of the trees and like is it like sexism like to use those terms yeah Um, because it's I don't know it yeah it is a curvy graceful delicate you know glazed shiny woman it's like okay (laughs) but what about all the other women who don't prescribe to that aesthetic like there are also like square you know strong-lined women like you know what I mean like it's so silly to me that it it goes back to that tradition of masculine feminine that doesn't necessarily fit and what our perceptions are of what these like what these things are what the definitions are I so I have two little kids. So we've been watching Encanto a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it's funny. There's a story about, um, so Louisa is the, the super strong buff sister. And Isabella is like the graceful, pretty, like one that grows flowers. And Disney kind of assumed that all the little girls would want to buy all the merchandise with, you know, the graceful, beautiful sister but everybody wants the buffed sister yeah it's really interesting especially raising kids I I mean I have a boy and but then looking at how gender develops based on like what toys you give them or what clothes are available it's that binary that we give these kids and like as a woman it's like can I be sparkly and shiny and wear that ridiculous dress but also be strong and independent and like tough like you can be more than one thing yeah and within the art of bonsai I don't know exactly how it's captured is it that balance between masculine and feminine or is but again that is the assumption that feminine is this thing and masculine is this thing and so how could we change the language or change our assumptions or something because I mean the things that we consider feminine also have other words like graceful or curvy curvy (laughs) or shiny or you know whatever it doesn't have to be masculine and feminine yeah yeah a different I think the main thing is you know all women are different and all art is subjective so some ladies are gonna like curvy flowery trees and Mm -hmm. some ladies like really big you know, Japanese black pines. Yeah. It's just your preference. Mm -hmm. And you can also like both. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can have whatever tree you want. Yeah. 
So or in my case, it's like, I want all of the species and one of everything. Yes. Same. So I think one of, one of our main goals for Purple Pot is to kind of record and share the stories of some of the important women in the history of like American bonsai. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we're going to hope to do because I feel like it's mostly unknown. All of these, um, yeah, the sort of unknown women who are doing so much for their clubs that aren't known nationally to do like a artist spotlight so mm-hmm. that other people can know their stories and kind of see what what a big impact they've had. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that I think we both had really liked the idea of of starting a scholarship for women to further education and training in bonsai, because I know when I started coming out to Michael's for seasonals, I was able to use work funds as professional development. Had I been doing that on my own, I likely would have only been able to do one a year, if at all, you know, like it's really expensive to travel to artists. It's expensive to learn bonsai. Trees are expensive. Tools are expensive. If women are really interested in this, how can we get the funds to financially accessible? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's a lot of ways that we can really help support women who want to do bonsai. Mm -hmm. And then we talked about too, we talked about it earlier, but within Purple Pot, working with museums and botanic gardens to increase acquisitions of bonsai by women. That'd be, it's, I'm excited to be kind of the, I was going to say middleman, the middle woman (laughs) to mean, you know, um, female artists and uh, gardens and collections. Like there's trees out there that belong in these places. And I think, you know, if we work with some of the curators and I know they have like lists of tree species um, or mm-hmm. types of styles that they want in their collection, if we can sort of match up women that have, you know, trees that are high enough quality to be put in a collection. Sorry. Um, Sorry. <laughs> Is nap time over? I'm supposed to be picking up my daughter soon. Oh, no. Yeah, to try to match up, you know, trees with collections because there are a bunch of different um, gardens in the country mm-hmm. that a bunch of them have zero trees made by women mm-hmm. as of now. So I'm hoping we can change that. Yeah. So quick, because I know you have to go pick up your kids. <laughs> Um, see, here's a thing. Women in bonsai have to stop Mm -hmm. and go pick up their kids from school. So, okay. Purple pot society. What are we doing? When are we launching? Like, I mean, I'm asking you, even though like I'm part of this too, but (laughs) (laughs) so we're making a website. Okay. I'm working on the website. Working on the website. website. I've been trying to, I need some more edits from you. I know. Um, I just did a bunch of work recently. Last couple of days. Hopefully by the time you have this live, it'll take on the web. Yeah, it'll, yeah, there'll be plenty of time. Then yeah, you can go to the website, (laughs) purplepotsociety.org. .org. We are an org. Yeah, we're an organization. We're we're planning on having, um, you kind of mentioned it, a list of female professional artists. So like bonsai artists, 
accident like kusumono um like scrolls pottery um just the women in our country that work on those to have them on there so people can you know check out their stuff or hire them for workshops or you know buy their pots i don't i have you know contact information for only so many so if um, you are a professional out there who wants to be part of this and, and want to have free advertising <laughs> on the website, yeah, shoot, shoot us an email so we can add you to the list. At the Purple Pot Society at gmail.com. I mean, we're also going to be having a Facebook page, Purple Pot Society. <laughs> and the Purple Pot Society isn't just for women. Like, let's put that out there too. Like, it's for women to come and, you know, build themselves up. Men are also welcome to come and be part of the society. And yeah. like, I encourage help. men yeah. to come to the website, you know, especially mm-hmm. to, to learn about the women. Yeah. Um, and just, yep. Find out more, more stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that, so one of the main things for the society is I see it more of like a, grassroots kind of movement like we're trying to provide unity and direction but um, having women like within their clubs start forming like chapters of the purple pot society Mm -hmm. um, kind of bonsai study groups Mm -hmm. for their clubs um, with just women I see that as being sort of something that will really help kind of bring people together yeah maybe that's a whole nother podcast oh boy (laughs) people are oh people are interested in reading that abs article that we've been talking about it is available on the purple cut society website and then if you also want to read the the three articles i wrote for uh, my club they're on the rocky mountain bonsai society's website which is rmbonsai.org and they're excellent I would recommend them to everyone a lot of work a lot of nap time and after bedtime uh, I'm just type 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 (laughs) no they're great they're great articles you did a ton of work for those all right I will let you go so you may go get your children okay I'll put this information in show notes or description or whatever we have so yeah. that everybody can access it from there as well. Sweet. Thanks, Sam. <laughs> I appreciate it. No, thank you. I mean, I'm an introvert, so this is definitely out of my comfort zone, but I'm, yeah. I really appreciate, you know, being able to, to talk about this issue and make it, you know, raise awareness and, and get the, the new club going. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate kind of michael and like bonsai wire giving us this platform yeah. and yeah. allowing us to do our thing well i'll catch you in the next one all right okay bye thank you bye the music on today's podcast was brought to you by the fine folks at blue dot sessions check them out at www.sessions.blue If you enjoyed this episode, stay tuned for part two, coming soon to Bonsai Wire.